Hey guys, this is Steve here from BJJ Mental Models, and I have a present for you because I love you. You've probably heard me go on about our premium service for quite a while, and as you may know, one of the reasons you'd want to join that is because we've got a ton of premium courseware on there. One of my favorite courses that we made is the Game Planning Series, which is where Matt and I talk about how we can use the concepts we discuss on the show to build from the ground up a concept-based game plan. If you're interested in evaluating your game plan and using the stuff we talk about on the show to make it even more awesome, then this is probably the best way to do it. It's a seven-part series, and I'm going to give you half of the first part here for free. So check it out. Let me know what you think. And if you want more, you can get the whole thing at premium.bjjmentalmodels.com. Again, that's premium.bjjmentalmodels.com. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models Premium Edition. I'm Steve Kwan. I'm Matt Kwan. Are you Matt Kwan or are you Premium Matt Kwan? God, these people are going to hate this service. <laughs> BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual, intelligent, and premium approach. <laughs> so uh, for those of you who are supporting us on Patreon, thank you so much. We hit the tier where we agreed to create premium content for you guys. Now, you know, don't tell the people who listen to the regular podcast, but I, I guess because you guys are paying us, we can tell you. Like all of that stuff on the regular podcast, it's all bullshit. This is the real stuff right here. This is how you get alpha. Yeah, we've been misinforming everyone on the regular podcast, but here we're going to give you the real information. So this is going to allow you to be alpha. Yeah, you just need to learn the 17 moves. <laughs> so, Did I tell you that someone actually found that like Shanghai police training manual. Yeah, piece. you sent that to me. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, it's pretty we should awesome. just publish that. I, I think actually I will. Because <laughs> it actually is kind of cool and pretty historic. Do you think that's from the 50s or something? I think it's, well, if or even earlier, if Todd Lamb and Ari Bolden are of are to be believed, I think it's from like the 1910s. So it's actually been really? around for over 100 years, which is interesting. Oh. Yeah. So we put a poll on Patreon and asked you guys, what type of premium podcast stuff do you want? We've had a lot of ideas that we've been accumulating for a while. And so we put it to you, the listeners, and by a ratio of almost four to one, everyone wanted to cover game planning, which is awesome because that's something that I also wanted to cover too. Now, we've talked here and there on the podcast about some of the concepts that apply when you're putting together a game plan, but we haven't really created a comprehensive strategy for doing that. So something we'd like to do here is create a multi-part series where if you listen to all of the stuff, we'll walk you through the processes of how to create a game plan that works for you. So this is probably going to be something that we create over the next while. Uh, I don't know at this point what the content schedule, if any, is going to be like for the premium stuff. Of course, our we're going to be continuing to record our weekly regular show, and that is getting tricky due to the COVID-19 situation. Um, this premium stuff, though, we're going to release as regularly as we can, given the current restraints and the other commitments. So our hope is that over the next while, will trickle out um, almost a course that you can listen to to help kind of define your game plan. And if, if you're listening to this now during this COVID crisis, then hopefully you can use this opportunity to put all of that together and come up with a game plan so that when you get back on the mats, you've had a lot of time to think this thing through. So 
Something that we talked about earlier on a prior podcast is, you know, the old saying that um, plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. And that is very much the case with a game plan. If you don't have a game plan going into jujitsu, it's going to be real hard. Um, and you're actually probably handicapping yourself. If you, I once heard a guy describe this as letting Jesus take the wheel, where you basically, <laughs> where you basically just like go there and you just free ball it, right? Um, that's not a good strategy. And some people can make that work to some extent just due to talent or just hard work. But you're really denying yourself the opportunity to be better than you, you otherwise could be if you're not consciously thinking about a game plan. So we're going to talk about the different ways to do that and give you some concepts and some steps to get there. Now, one of the most important things when you're creating a game plan is first and foremost to think about what your goals are in jiu-jitsu because not everyone has the same types of goals. And from there, once we've had a, a think about what our goals are and some of the other key decisions that matter when you're training, we're going to work backwards and figure out going from those goals, how do we go all the way backwards to creating a game plan? So this is kind of an example of inverted thinking actually where we're starting with the goal and we're working backwards to create the game plan so the first thing you have to ask yourself is why are you doing this now for most people the there's going to be one when you say this do you mean jujitsu or are you talking about a competition jujitsu right i mean i we're just talking about why are you on this journey of jujitsu not necessarily specific to competition exactly exactly now competition is going to be one of those reasons now a lot of people don't start jujitsu wanting to compete in fact uh, i think probably a lot of people who start jujitsu don't even really know that competition is a thing but they discover it and fall in love with it pretty quickly and for many people that soon becomes their first and foremost reason for training Uh, other people for example are more casual they just want to get a workout in um, or maybe they they want to learn to be good at jujitsu but for whatever reason competition is just not an area of interest for them and then of course there's people who are interested in the self-defense aspect which changes things up a bit Uh, and for a lot of people your focus might be a combination of these things right maybe you are primarily casual but you are also really interested in self-defense or maybe you're really competition oriented but you know also you're not like fully committing to this as a full-time job so you're inherently sort of a hobbyist there can be a variety of reasons why you would want to actually train and the other thing to bear in mind is that these different reasons they have their own subcategories too you know if you're competing like man it makes a big difference depending on what type of competition we're talking about are you in a a constant weight class like what are you fighting people the same size as you are you fighting with the gi without the gi is this mma (laughs) like it's an absolute situation exactly a tournament format or super uh super fight format like there's so many variables that really determine how your game plan should be structured yeah and we'll talk about that more in a future episode specifically how to tune your game plan for individual circumstances but at a high level exactly why you're training is one of the most critical things that you have to decide for yourself um another thing of course too is understanding like really what is your focus during a match are you in there to win are you in there to just survive or are you in there not because you particularly care about one match, but because you're just in it for the long haul and you want to stay safe. And these things all vary, right? I mean, if you're a a high level competitor, you're in there for victory and you're probably going to do things that might actually impact your longevity at the end of the day, right? There are some techniques that fundamentally um, are riskier than others in terms of safety. Um, But that said, if your life goal is to be the best in the world, you know, you might be willing to 
take a risk of injury in order to win the match that's right in front of you. Whereas if you're more of a hobbyist, you're about, you know, your, your interest might be more longevity where you're not really trying to win first and foremost. You're trying to keep yourself safe. And I would say that as an instructor too, like a lot of the time, it's what you're trying to go for is longevity, right? You're trying to keep healthy, keep on the mats, spend as much time with your students and your class as you can. And as everyone gets older, that goal is going to shift towards longevity, right? No one is in their prime forever. So for most people, once they get to their like 30s, their late 30s, they start kind of thinking, okay, I need to maybe take my foot off the gas a bit and focus on my health versus focus on winning the match that's right in front of me. Um, And the other thing too is for some people, the focus is just survival. Like this is very much the old heliogracy mentality where as long as you don't lose, you eventually win. If you're into self-defense, like that is maybe your focus. You're not necessarily so so enthused about like getting mount or getting back mount or going for a submission. You just want to keep yourself safe and be able to survive at all costs. And although that is very, very tied to the rest of jujitsu, you would alter your game a bit if that is something that you're focused on, right? Because a lot of implications change if your focus is is on survival. Like if you're going in there with someone who is 200 pounds heavier than you, your goal might not necessarily be well, I mean, your goal probably is to dominate and get mount and back mount, but you have to accept that that might not be realistic. So you might play a more survival-based game and focus a lot on your defense. Uh, So these are all different reasons why someone could train. And again, the best thing to do is to understand that for most people, it's going to be a combination of things and to figure out really what your your priority is when it comes to training jujitsu, because that's a conversation that I think most people don't intentionally have. They just show up to class and they get excited about what they're learning, but they don't really take a step back and ask themselves, why am I doing this? Yeah, I never... I never even thought that I would compete. I remember I went to sign up uh, downtown at GB and they were like, uh, or I asked them, you know, is it okay to train once a week? And they literally told me no, like it wasn't enough commitment. So I was like, huh. okay, dodged a bullet here. I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> um, I, I just wanted to train like once a week initially. And then when I started going, uh, eventually I found a gym. And when I started training there, I realized like, oh, I feel, I'm starting to feel guilty if I don't even go to training. Like it was becoming super addictive for me <clears throat> and competition was super far from my mind. But then eventually I got sort of convinced to do it by a training partner. And I, and then I tried it and I, I actually, uh, I did win double gold, but I was like, um, it still wasn't really like an enjoyable experience for me yet. Um, and then the more I did it, the more I started to look forward to it. And then I would miss it when it, when I wasn't training for a competition. So it's funny how it, it does kind of capture you, but I will say like, regardless of your, your goal in jujitsu, whether it's self-defense or you want to compete or you want to just be a casual, um, you know, practitioner, or you want to own a gym one day, like no matter what your goal is, I think, um, I think a a good goal to have is to try to get as good as you can in the amount of time you have. Mm -hmm. And I think that this doesn't happen a lot. I think, or, 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 uh, all the time, I should say, I think it does happen a lot, but there are people out there that are training at a capacity where they don't want to learn more or they don't want to get pushed outside their comfort zone or maybe they're training at a place that they know isn't really high level but they they train there because um it's comfortable it's comfortable and and you know they can kind of be the top dog there i think it's important to 
if you're in one of these situations to try to ask yourself, like, why wouldn't I want to get as good as I can at something like this? Like if you're investing the, you know, over a decade of your life to this art and all the money that goes along with, you know, the fees and all that stuff, like you should try to get as good as you can with what you have. And we're not all going to be world champions. That's not a possibility, but trying to get as good as you at you can uh good as you can at jujitsu is sort of a goal that runs i think for, um should it's it's a reasonable goal that everyone should have so regardless of what you want to do that's something you should think about yeah and i think a lot of people they think really defensively where they've already got pre-baked excuses as to why they'll never be good like i've i've heard people come up to me and say you know man i i'm not good at this or i'll never be good at this and sometimes they have excuses as to why that's going to be you know oh i'm just a hobbyist i don't have time for this i've got other priorities in my life. Like, look, no one is telling you that you need to abandon every other goal in your life and spend eight hours a day every day training jujitsu. Some people will do that, but no one is telling you you have to. But you've already made the commitment to train. So you should do everything in your power to maximize how good you can get given that commitment. And you would be shocked how good some people can get training like two or three times a week. It is it is absolutely possible to mm-hmm. get good during that time if you're efficient in your training and your strategy. And your instructions. Yeah, and your instruction. And that's really why game planning is so critical because it allows you to take conscious ownership of how you're learning. You're not just sitting there uh, learning one technique of the day and, you know, maybe you use it or maybe you don't. But you're consciously taking all of the knowledge that comes in and you're applying it to your game plan and saying, yes, this works for me here's how I can specifically fit this into my game plan or ah, that's just that's not really part of my game plan now that does not mean that you should discard any knowledge that doesn't immediately tie to your game plan like a big part of learning is going outside of the stuff that you're comfortable in and trying new things so when we talk about game planning we're not suggesting that you like ignore 80% of the martial art that is jujitsu and just do the stuff that you know because that will stunt your growth but we do suggest that you take the time to really focus on and understand the things that you're actually truly good at. From there, if anything new comes up, you can take that knowledge and you'll basically have an easier way to fit that into your existing framework. I mean, Matt, I don't know about you, but I have found as I've really clarified in my head, like why I train and what my goals are and what my game plan looks like, you can show me a new idea or concept and I can immediately tell before I even try it, like, yes, this will fit in with my strategy or this probably is something auxiliary to me. It's just not something that I'm really going to use a lot. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, it's jujitsu is different in that you're, tr- I, I think that the, the right approach for jujitsu is to always cultivate like the best quality that you can and the best technique that you can. Whereas, you know, certain things like, uh, like a cardio kickboxing class doesn't necessarily focus on cultivating technique, but mm-hmm. more just, you know, it's going to be a lot Moving of soccer moms in there that are in there hitting pads and, uh, and not necessarily focusing on how to be good at kickboxing is just, you know, landing the strikes and, and getting a workout. Whereas, jiu-jitsu if you're going in there and investing the time um it makes sense to to have good technique especially if you're doing doing live sparring with other people because it's going to make your life easier right it's going to make you better at something just that cultivation of quality is something that's uh that's really important there and and it's you know we're talking about goal setting it's very real that your goals can change throughout your journey like when i first started i remember maybe you know 10 ish years ago my first goal was don't don't get submitted, (laughs) you know, like, I don't even know uh, what I'm, 
what I'm doing here in this art, but don't get submitted. Try to stay alive. Try to survive. Then I was getting my blue belt. I was like, okay, now I'm going to try and win competitions. I get my purple belt. Okay, I'm going to try and win competitions. I want to get sponsorships. Okay, now I'm brown belt. I still want to win competitions. Okay, now I want to open a gym. Now I'm a black belt. It's like, don't get injured. <laughs> uh, try to keep make a living off this. Try to grow my kids program. Try to, you know, be the best coach I can be. And if I can win a competition, that's also cool too. So it's like your goals shift through, you know, some, some of it because you have, uh, you know, physical changes, you're getting older. Other things could be financial, you know, this is now my career. So it makes sense that I focus a lot on how can I grow my business? If there's a competition and I have to be in town for my business, then I have to be in town. You know, I can't be, I can't be making sacrifices that don't justify the means. So your goals will change as, as your uh, journey moves on. Yeah. And what's interesting is no matter what goal you started with, it will eventually end with longevity. (laughs) Like it, yeah, (laughs) it it doesn't matter why you started jujitsu, but eventually either due to injury or old age or changing life priorities, your goal is going to be on self-preservation. That's just the way that it goes for everybody. So whenever you, you know, this is something that I encourage people to think about when they see these people who are just like way better than them at the gym. Um, you know, maybe they're more athletic or maybe they're just able to put more time into jujitsu and people get really discouraged about that and think, man, I'll never be that good to that. I would say two things. Number one, you're underestimating how good you can get by taking a strategic approach to your game plan. And number two, at the end of the day, give it enough time and everyone is going to become an old ass man or woman and they're all going to be in the boat where they're just happy not to get injured. It happens to everybody. You don't see any 50, 60 year old guys or girls going out there and just like killing themselves on the mats. It's just not going to happen. So given time, everyone's goal eventually moves towards longevity. So if you see some young person who is sacrificing their health to win every role, don't necessarily get demoralized because you probably don't want to be that person. Yeah. Put it all in perspective, right? If, if there's a young 20 year old person in your class, that's just like, you know, really goes hard and really their goal is win medals, then they're, you're going to have hard roles with these people. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's your goal. You know, it, mm-hmm. I'm 32 now and I still like to compete, but at the same time, it's like, I'd rather not get injured. <laughs> and it's a fine line between you know, preparing for competition, pushing yourself to that point where you can hang with the best guys and not getting injured. So it's, it's like you said, Steve, longevity always becomes a goal in the end. Nowadays, when I finish practice and I'm not injured, I'm like, (laughs) today was a victory, (laughs) but I used to get injured a lot more, you know, at the lower levels when you're not really familiar with your body, especially if you, like I, I tried pretty hard, I guess when I was a blue belt, like everyone did by that, I mean, I guess I was probably spazzy at times and in those spastic moments where you're not in control of your body i find is when you injure yourself those those are usually the injuries that i got was where i injured myself nowadays i don't really get injured too much at all you know yeah it's been a long time since i've had a bad injury it's been like three four years and even then it was just like a tweak i think that that's a really important point to drive home which is that people who are new at jiu-jitsu they tend to be overly aggressive to their own detriment and so it's very common to see injuries at the white and the blue belt level and probably a lot of people stall their growth just because they're getting constantly injured during that part that period of training i would suggest that everyone take some time to think really about what their goals are and understand that injuries will ultimately set you back you know you can be awesome at jujitsu and you can be committed to training a ton but if you're getting really badly injured and you can't train then you're going to fall behind other people so it's in your best interests regardless of what your goals 
goals are to at least think about longevity and factor that into your strategy and your game plan. Yeah. And if you're, if you're young in your journey and you're getting injured a lot, you're probably being too spazzy. You're probably not loose. You're probably trying to submit everyone. And like I said, causing these injuries to happen to yourself. I, I think from what I've seen and from what's happened to me, about 90% of the injuries happen when you're inflicting them on yourself, either doing moves that you haven't you haven't rehearsed yet or, you know, you just going for something that's not really there or you make, you know, you're not in full control of your body yet. You don't really understand the ins and outs of the technique you're trying to do. And then, yeah, mm-hmm, injuries mm-hmm. do happen. Yep. So. so, I mean, a good point on that topic to discuss is when you're setting up your goals, you need to think about what is the size of your opponent. And this makes a huge difference. I mean, I know everyone says size doesn't matter. And to some extent that can be true, but in reality it does. Um, it definitely does. Yeah. The size of your opponent matters in two ways. One is, of course, uh, the, the particular game plan that you use in terms of how you're going to be able to attack someone and defend against someone bigger than you the rules are are different and we've talked in the past we've done whole episodes on size disadvantages but you need to apply slightly different strategies when you're focusing on a a bigger opponent like a lot of the techniques that you want to use probably aren't going to fly to the same level Um, a common example that i give is like if you want to try to double someone who's got like 100 or 200 pounds on you i'm not going to say it can't be done it can definitely be done but it's a lot harder. And if you get sprawled on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's the other side of the coin, which is that against bigger people, the odds of injury are way higher if you do something stupid or if they don't have proper body control. Now, the good news is when you're sparring gently with people, a lot of the time, you know, the big guys are pretty aware that they can't hurt you or or they they shouldn't hurt you. So they're pretty aware of what they're doing and they'll try not to hurt you. But the reality is they can't control what you do. So if you like shoot a blast double on someone who outweighs you by like a hundred pounds and they sprawl like even if they're not trying to they can seriously hurt you so you have to tailor your move set based on the size of your opponent um, and additionally things can can be more dangerous when done by a bigger opponent like I, as, a, as a personal example one time i was sparring with someone who was way bigger than me and they tried to put me in a darce choke and they literally almost ripped my ear off like i was bleeding all over the place it was really really bad so you learn to take a different more defensive Defensive strategy against bigger opponents. That's a really important thing to understand. Uh, and especially if you're interested in self-defense or competition, like when you move up weight classes, especially when you're talking about 50 to 100 pounds, uh, it's a big, big difference. And it definitely impacts the moves that you want to use. And yet your ears are perfect. Yeah, I know. I don't know exactly what happened there. Uh, got lucky. But a way that I like to think of it is the most efficient things to do in jujitsu involve putting all of your power against a single lever. Like there, there's exceptions to this, right? For example, if I arm triangle you, I'm actually attacking two things at once. I'm attacking your head and your neck. But you'll also notice that moves like that don't work well against bigger people. Uh, usually if you're attacking someone who's bigger, you want moves where you're using your entire body against one limb. Like for example, single leg X, I find very effective against bigger people. Foot locks tend to be extremely effective against bigger people neck attacks like guillotines work incredibly well against bigger people things like um as an example a double leg where you're kind of trying to take two legs at once not so good single legs can be okay against bigger people because you're you're focusing on all of your efforts on one limb uh, but yeah things like the triangle choke really bad idea against a big guy because as a smaller person you just can't get that much power by focusing all of your power if it's spread across both the arm and the head 
So that's a consideration when you're fighting bigger people is there's going to be a lot of moves that work against people within your own weight class that just don't work against bigger people. And I know everyone likes to say, oh, triangles work on everyone. You're just doing it wrong if you can't make it work against everyone. That's not true. There's like there's a limit to physics. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like Danaher always says, if you're going against a bigger opponent, his recommendation is dominate the inside position. So whether you're going to have like a butterfly guard or whatever, keeping keeping your frames such that they're inside and your <clears throat> your opponent can't expose them as levers. And the other option would be um, positionally speaking, like get underneath them and try and get to the back because mm-hmm. those are like that's just those are just examples of a asymmetric warfare yeah 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 absolutely where you're creating angles that are dominant and advantageous so that your your opponent can't really attack you so a a great example would be like getting on the back of a larger opponent and attacking the neck that's a great option probably not a great idea to try and attack from like close guard and do uh you know do an arm bar where they can stack you or go for do a triangle where they can stack you because you just leave yourself open to getting attacks it's, it's really when we're this this really works into the idea of game planning because what we're doing is we're essentially assessing risk and reward you know if you're thinking about like okay i'm gonna fight this guy who's you know 80 pounds bigger than me how should i structure my attack should i shoot in on him should i get a grip and pull guard should i try and expose a lapel and maybe go down that route not a bad idea, you know, these these are all not bad ideas, but if you are in close guard and you go for an attack, you know, and and, uh, and you haven't broken alignment properly, then the chances of you getting stacked up are really, really good. And, and you know, once you get into these positions with like someone bigger, let's say, the consequences are so much worse. So you really want to avoid, you know, if you're going to someone your own size and you make a mistake you could probably dig yourself out of a hole. But if you go against someone who's much bigger, you have to account for the fact that if you make that same mistake, now you're going to be spending the next few minutes getting out if you do get out at all. And when you do, you're going to be way more exhausted, right? So trying to stay safe and avoid getting your guard passed at all times and only going for submissions when you have those dom- uh, those adv- advantages and broken alignment properly, that's going to make a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of uh, strategies and positions don't work effectively if the body type is very different like if your opponent is much bigger i mean as an example if you're fighting someone your own size like side control is not the end of the world but man if you're fighting someone bigger than you <laughs> you know side control is not the place you want to be a great example is like kesagatame the scarf hold right you know people love to to poo poo on kesagatame and say oh it's you know they, the person could just take your back well if you're giving up 50 to 100 pounds and and, the, and that guy gets you in kesagatame good luck like you're, you're dead already you might as well just tap from pressure and no one's gonna blame you right so especially like in a gi against a good judoka they don't even have to be big they just need to know how to hold the position it can be a nightmare to be in that position yeah yeah so this is a big part of game planning is understanding how the way that you train and the way that you spar and the way that you compete how that is going to dictate your strategy so if you are going to be in a situation either due to competition or theoretical self-defense scenarios or just the training partners in your gym then that's definitely going to impact like this the the way that you train so this matters not just in competition too it's not just about um you know winning in the absolute division if you are a casual hobbyist you have to decide if you're comfortable sparring with big people now i always advise of course that you you know you 
you run into discomfort and you're going to get better by sparring with big people but there are limits to that as well right yeah. like if you've if you're like 50 years old and you're 120 pounds and you have chronic neck injuries and like it's a it's like just a victory for you to just get into the gym i would not suggest at the white belt level going up against some like 250 pound beast <laughs> you know, yeah. it would not be advisable pound blue belt <laughs> yeah so, so so there are situations where depending on your goals you might say like look i don't need to worry about the scenario because i'm only training casually for fun and i will just never train with these people like that's okay uh, you need to understand the limitations of, of, of that right because you need to realize if you're only training against people your size man if you want to use this as an effective martial art you're just not going to succeed unless you train against those bigger people but that said if you're just doing this for fun like set your own rules that's that's what i would suggest and from a self-defense perspective i mean the the importance of body type and body size depends on how big you are right like if you're learning jujitsu for self-defense and you're 120 pounds i would strongly suggest getting practice against bigger people but if you're learning jujitsu for self-defense and you're 250 pounds then the the need to experience a size disadvantage is not as critical because it's not as likely that you're going to be fighting up a weight class in a self-defense situation so something to think about right it, it definitely does matter and it's going to impact the strategy that you employ yeah if you're if you're training for self-defense if that's your goal i would highly recommend getting proficient at takedowns because if you want to do self-defense and all you do is pull guard then that's not really a great strategy for the street because pulling guard in the street like you could play i'm not saying guard won't work in the street of course that's applicable but like funneling the 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 situation where you only can play guard and you don't have any takedowns or or any wall wrestling then that's not really self-defense applicable it would be like um you know a real let's say somebody who's really good at being on top but has no takedowns it's like well, what if your what if your opponent doesn't pull guard and they want to they want to wrestle with you and you don't have any wrestling or any takedowns like fuck now now they called my bluff and now I basically have to you know if your guard is mediocre then you're you're in a horrible position right so yeah, it's not yeah. really you know it's not and, and then on the flip side to to the to the example that you gave Steve about uh, like an older you know more frail practitioner training selectively you could also look on the on the other end of the spectrum you know the the young um black belt or or really high level competitor in the gym who is their goal is strictly you know represent the gym in competition represent themselves try and win competitions like that person probably isn't going to be wasting their time rolling with white belts because mm -hmm. um it just doesn't make sense i'm not saying that they ne should never give back or never answer questions but i think it's okay for those type of people to like if i'm a professional competitor i'm probably it's understandable that i only want to roll with people well that, that concludes our sample thanks again for checking out this premium series i'm really happy with the way that it turned out it's a seven part series that goes through the process of breaking down and building up a game plan from the ground up using the concepts that we talk about here on the show. I found it to be a really awesome series of conversations. And if you liked this first 30 minutes, you will almost certainly like the rest of the series as well. So please do consider checking it out. If nothing else, it helps support the show. It takes a lot of time and money to make this product and to keep the quality as high as it is. So please do consider giving it a shot. Premium.bjjmentalmodels.com is the place you can go to check this thing out. In addition to the game planning series course, there's a ton of other super valuable stuff on there, including our introduction to mechanics series, 
including a new peak performance series that I did alongside multiple time world champion Emily Kwok. And there's always going to be more stuff that we add as well. This is going to be a subscription where there's always more value that we toss on. In addition to that, you also get a lot of other awesome perks like access to our amazing community discord and also the ability to send me rolling footage. If you're a premium subscriber, you can send me your rolling footage and I will go through and break it down and give advice based on the concepts that we talk about here on the show. So if you love BJJ Mental Models and you feel that this has advanced your game in any way, I highly recommend at least checking out our premium subscription. There's no risk to you whatsoever. There's a seven-day free trial. Costs you nothing to sign up and give it a shot. If you want to do that, premium.bjjmentalmodels.com. Again, that's premium.bjjmentalmodels.com totally free to give it a shot. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you appreciate and enjoy and benefit from the stuff we do here on the show, please do consider checking it out. Thanks again, and I'll talk to you guys next week.